Hey, welcome back, everybody, to the Federal Retirement Show. I'm your host, Val Majewski, with American Benefits Exchange. And we're going to continue on with our theme when we're covering some of the top 10 mistakes that we see federal employees make. Now, if you found us on a previous episode or watched any of our previous episodes, we've gone over a pamphlet, a brochure, something that we've put together in our experience, what we see federal employees do and how how they, I say, mess things up, right? The mistakes that they make. And I'm not saying that you're messing things up, but just want to help you avoid any of these mistakes that can be financially detrimental to your working career and for you in retirement. So today we're going to be continuing with number seven, the number seven mistake that we see people make, and it is choosing the wrong, I should say, uh, survivor benefit option in retirement, otherwise known as SBP. So today's going to be SBP, Survivor Benefits Plan, the do's and don'ts. Now, what is SBP? Well, again, it's the Survivor Benefits Plan. What exactly is that? You may be thinking, well, that's great. What is? It sounds familiar. Maybe I'm aware of what this is. Uh, It's not something that you have to choose when you first get hired. It's not something you have to choose when you're in the middle of your career. This is a choice that you make in retirement. And this is a choice that you determine how much of your pension your surviving spouse is going to get if you predecease them in retirement. How much of your pension, your retirement, your spouse is going to get if you die first in retirement. And this is something that you elect when you first retire. It's not something that you're going to change along the way. This is an election at retirement. And this is a a, basically a set in stone permanent decision. We'll get into that here in a little bit. So you want to make sure that you choose the appropriate choice. You want to make sure you understand the consequences, both the pluses and the minuses of that choice and what that's going to do to your pension and how that's going to affect you going forward. Now, I will say at the beginning, because I can give you my opinion, your situation is going to be different. And I can give you my general guidance on this. But what makes this attractive, even though, and I'm going to go through, I think this is a a bad piece of life insurance, what makes it attractive and what makes this choice even harder for federal employees is they attach the federal employee health benefits to this decision. Now, what does that mean? Again, you're not choosing this now while you're working, but in retirement, when you fill your paperwork, you need to make this decision, whether you choose not to have a survivor benefit, or you choose some sort of survivor benefit. They attach the federal employee health benefits to it. Again, what does that mean? Well, let's say that you're the federal employee and you and your spouse are on your health benefits. If you want to absolutely 100% make sure that even if you die first, that your spouse can continue the health benefits, then you need to at least elect a minimal survivor benefit. I'll give an example. Let's say you're the federal employee and you retire and you say, I do not want a survivor benefit. Nothing. I want to get the maximum pension. I do not want a survivor benefit. You and your spouse are on your health benefits. Now, while you're alive, even in retirement, both you and your spouse will enjoy your health benefits. If you pass away first, Since you did not elect a survivor benefit, your health insurance will die with you. They can no longer continue your health insurance. So for a lot that I talk to, they may realize, look, I I don't necessarily want to pay for the survivor benefit. We're going to get into the cost here in a little bit. But I need to take this benefit because my spouse 100% needs to be certain that they can continue 
the health insurance, my federal employee health benefits. So that's a, a big kind of sticking point when it comes to choosing the appropriate selection. You may not like the selection, but you may be forced to take it if you 100% need to make sure that your spouse can continue the health benefits. Now, there's two different types. We have the CSRS system and the first system. Let me talk to the old system first. Now, there may be not as many of you as there used to be, but some of you watching this may be in the old system saying, hey, what are my choices? I'm thinking of retiring very soon. How does this impact me? So if you're a CSRS employee, you have some options here. And I'm going to try to describe this as simply as possible. But you can choose to leave your spouse 55% of whatever benefit base you choose. Now, what is a benefit base? Because now you have some flexibility here. The benefit base is whatever portion of your pension you choose from the minimal amount to the maximum amount. So the maximum that you can choose in a benefit base is your full pension, your full CSRS annuity. The maximum survivor benefit you can leave as a CSRS employee is 55% of your full pension. The minimum that you can leave your spouse or the minimum benefit base that you can choose from is $22. Now, why is that significant? Because 55% of $22 is $12, which is $1 a month. So the minimum that you can leave your spouse, should you pass away first, is $1 a month. Now, you probably wouldn't just do that, but why is that significant? Because even at $1 per month, your surviving spouse can still keep the health insurance. Now, you'd probably want to finagle it, right? This is a sliding scale but from $22 all the way up to your full pension. You'd probably want to work the numbers so that at least 55% would cover the cost of the health insurance because they still have to pay the premium for the health insurance. Now, cost for this, for CSRS, is just under 10% of the benefit base selected. So if you chose the full amount, it would be approximately 10% of your check. I'm gonna go into an example of this here in just a second. So for CSRS employees, important to note, again, 55%, your spouse will receive 55% of whatever benefit base you elect, and that's as low as $22 all the way up to your full pension. Now for FERS employees, it's a little simpler. I said CSRS, it's a sliding scale. There's a number of different choices that you can make, and you can slide that all the way, like I said, from the full amount all the way down to $22. FERS, it's easier. Only two choices. You can choose to leave 50% of your pension to your spouse, or you can choose to leave 25% to your spouse. Now, those are the only two options, 50% or 25%. The costs for these are pretty simple. If you choose the 50% option, it's going to cost you 10% of your check. So to leave 50% to your spouse, it's going to cost you 10% while you're alive. If you want to leave 25% to your spouse, it's going to cost you 5% of your check. Again, you need to at least elect a minimal survivor benefit in order for them to continue the health insurance should you pass away first. Now, important to note in both cases here, if you are married at the time of retirement, the government is going to automatically default to the maximum survivor benefit, maximum. If you want to leave your spouse anything less than the maximum, they need to sign off on it. They need to sign the spousal consent form and have it notarized so that they are aware that they are getting something less than the maximum. For CSRS, if you're leaving anything uh, below 55% of the full amount, for 
FERS employees, if you're leaving 25% or nothing, they need to sign off on it, okay? So again, cost for FERS, 10% of your check. If you're leaving the maximum, 5% if you're leaving the 25% option. So let's look at a couple examples here and you can see exactly how this works. So using a CSRS employee, now in other presentations that I've given, I've, I've calculated pensions and things like that. Uh, for here, we're just throwing some numbers out there. So let's say there's a CSRS employee and their pension check, their total pension, their CSRS annuity was going to be $70,250 per year going forward. Let's say they want to leave the maximum survivor benefit, which is 55% of that $70,250. That means a surviving spouse would receive $38,000 plus should the federal employee die first. But while that federal employee is alive, it's going to cost them $262.92 per month to pay for that amount. So if we're looking at this example, right, you got to weigh those odds or weigh those options. Is it worth them losing $67.55 per year out of their paycheck for their spouse to get 55% of their total pension? Maybe yes, maybe no. But again, if the federal employee health benefits are on the line, it can make the decision a little easier. Let's look at a FERS example here on the next slide. So this FERS employee, let's say they're going to make $33,000 per year in their pension. So it's a little less, right? Because CSRS employees are relying on that one pension check. FERS is, is less. But let's say they're going to make $33,000 a year in retirement and they wanted to leave the maximum survivor benefit, which is the 50% option to their spouse. The spouse would then get uh, $16,500 per year if the federal employee dies first. But while the federal employee is alive, their pension will be reduced by $275 per month or $3,300 per year. So they have to weigh the options. Is it worth that reduction? Now, the government's not going to say this is what the cost is. They're just going to give you a reduced annuity. So a lot of times when you get a retirement estimate for both CSRS or FERS, it's going to say full annuity, no survivor benefits. It's going to say partially reduced annuity. It'll say fully reduced annuity. Now, fully reduced annuity means maximum survivor benefit. And again, if you're married, that's the default option. If you're married at retirement, that is the default option. If you want to leave your spouse anything less than the maximum, I'll reiterate, they need to sign off on it. So let's review survivor benefit plan. What does this look like? Again, how does this affect you? Well, it's not something you choose until you get to retirement. But you need to be aware of what it is, how it works, and how it's going to affect you going forward because it essentially is a set in stone decision. I'll get into that in just a second. But you pay a premium. It says you reduced, you get a reduced pension, but you do pay a premium. There's a cost for this benefit depending on which level of survivor benefit plan you choose. There's no cash value buildup, right? There's no hidden place where this cost goes, this, this premium that you're paying, this fee or this deduction of your pension. This money does not go anywhere. It's just the money that's not coming to you. It's a permanently reduced pension. You choose this at retirement. And I said, it's, it's basically locked in. So there are some caveats. There are some ways this can be changed in a short window. But let's just say you choose the maximum survivor benefit option. And five years down the road, you say, you know what? We don't need this thing anymore. Let's cancel it. Let's get back to full pension. Uh, we don't need to be paying for this anymore. You can't do it. You can't say, I want to get rid of it. You can't change it. It's set in stone. 
opposite is true. Let's say you didn't choose it and you want to get it down the road. Uh, so, you know, we can really use that now. I didn't really think I needed it, but, you know, let's get it. You can't change that down the road. But once you make that decision at retirement, you want to make sure that you are choosing the appropriate option. That's why I say this is a mistake that federal employees make because they're not educated as much on the consequences of this. That's where we come in, right? We want to provide the information to you. It's not your fault. You just weren't taught all of this stuff. So making sure you choose the appropriate survivor benefit option for you. Now, lack of retire, uh, option in death, because there is only one way that you can make a change. I should say two ways you can make a change in retirement. The first one, let's say you were not married when you retired, you didn't choose a survivor benefit, then you got married in retirement. Well, you can now add it. That's a life-changing event. You can add it. Let's say you chose a survivor benefit and your spouse dies first. That's usually not something that we take into consideration. What happens if the spouse dies first? Well, you can cancel your survivor benefit, but you don't recoup uh, the money that was lost or the money that your pension was reduced by. You don't get that money back. You can get your full pension back. You cancel the survivor benefit, but you don't recoup the money that you put into this plan. Now, I say lack of options, right? In retirement, you can't just make you know willy-nilly changes. There's lack of options there. Then in death, there's really not an option for the spouse. The spouse just receives... It's not a death benefit like life insurance. They get a monthly payment for the rest of their life, okay? And that payment is still taxable. We'll talk about some of the comparisons here uh, of why I think this is a a bad piece of life insurance. But your spouse will get a benefit and it will be taxable, okay? So let's look at some of the things and some of the reasons why I'm going to say this is a bad piece of life insurance. You may agree with me, you may not. But how does life insurance work? Well, you pay a premium. There's a cost for it. And when you pay that premium, now you have a death benefit. The insurance company will provide a death benefit to you. If you die, your spouse, your beneficiary or beneficiaries will receive what kind of payment? A lump sum tax-free payment. How does it work with the survivor benefit plan? You pay a premium. They may not call it a premium, but you pay a premium. There's a cost. There's a reduction in your pension. So you're paying a cost. If you die, this is a death benefit, you die first, then your spouse gets a taxable monthly payment. There's no lump sum option and it's not tax-free. It's a monthly payment for the rest of their life, whether they live a couple months beyond you or they live forever, it's going to be a taxable monthly payment. It's really, I said, it's a bad piece of life insurance. Now, what makes it attractive? I'm going to go back to the health insurance because it's contingent upon the health insurance. If you need to keep the health insurance in retirement, 100%, that is your main focus. You'll be forced to take at least a minimal survivor benefit. But let's look at a comparison here. So I did a comparison, and these are just some some key points that we're going to go over one by one of what the survivor benefit plan looks like, the SBP column, versus a private plan, an actual life insurance plan. So instead of using the survivor benefit as your life insurance for your spouse, what if you can use an actual life insurance plan and how would it compare? Now, obviously, I've, I've color coordinated this. So anything that is red is probably a negative thought. And anything that is green is more of a positive thought. You can do the math here and you can add it up and make up your own opinion. This is what we've seen in our experience working with federal employees and the options that are available to them. Should I choose a survivor benefit plan or Should I set up my own plan for my spouse or for my beneficiaries or for my family using a private plan? First thing, contractual agreement. Now, 
the chances that Congress makes changes uh, is slim, but they still can. Changes to this plan can be made with or without your say. You may have groups that lobby against any changes or things like that. They can increase the cost for it. They can change the way it works. They can cut benefits. That can be done at any time. There's no contractual agreement. Now, with a private plan, it is a contractual agreement between you and an insurance company. It's written in plain English. There is no policy or agreement between you and the survivor benefit plan. Managing costs. So the program is what it is, right? For both systems, uh, max payment is about, or max cost is about 10% of your pension. And costs will increase as your pay increases. So you get cost of living, it's still 10%, right? So just those costs can go up, relatively speaking, over time. If you're in a private plan, generally those costs are going to be locked in. That's part of the contractual agreement. You agree to pay this amount and the company is going to provide this amount of insurance. Okay. Cost savings. Now with the survivor benefit plan, there are no good health discounts. There are no good health discounts. What does that mean? Well, with private life insurance, you need to qualify health wise, but the healthier you are, the cheaper the plan is going to be. And if you can prove that you're in the best of health, well, you can get the best rate possible. And that rate can be locked in going forward, regardless of what happens to your health down the road. If your health is good today, you can get that set up with a private plan. Now, beneficiary. On the survivor benefit plan, we say basically it's a spouse-only benefit. I mean, 99.99% of the time, it is a spouse-only benefit, spouse-only. There are some rare cases where a dependent child, somebody who is unable to take care of themselves, can be listed as a a recipient of the survivor benefit or receive some sort of survivor benefit. But for the most part, this is a spouse only benefit. With a private plan, you can certainly name your spouse as the primary beneficiary. You have options there. You can name a primary, you can name contingents, you can name multiple people. This is not just for a spouse. It can be for your entire family. Most people would still if we're doing a comparison, list their spouse as the primary beneficiary, but you don't have to. You have options there. Family protection, okay? So yes, the spouse is entitled to the full survivor benefit. That is a positive thing within the survivor benefit plan. But again, it is a spouse-only benefit. And in the private plan, it could be the spouse that's named as a beneficiary, but the beneficiaries would be subject or have the ability to receive that tax-free payment with the private plan. Then we come to taxes. I've already kind of mentioned about the taxation of the survivor benefit plan. It is a taxable benefit. So the spouse may get a lifetime monthly payment no matter how long they live. Again, if it's a couple months or many years beyond the federal employee that passed away, but that payment is subject to tax. Within a actual life insurance plan, those benefits are tax-free. Now you can set it up to where it's a lump sum tax-free payment, which is not an option that the survivor benefit plan has. There's no lump sum option. Say you're the spouse and you say, you know what? My health isn't that great, or I just want to get all the money now. You don't have that choice with the survivor benefit plan. With the life insurance, you do. There are plans that you can set up where you can have the option to have a lump sum tax-free payment or a tax-free monthly payment for the rest of the, the spouse or the beneficiary's life. You have more flexibility there. But whatever payment you choose with the private plan, it's going to be tax-free. Now, proof of insurability. This is where the private plan has a knock against it. Because with the survivor benefit plan with the government, you don't have to provide proof of insurability. It's not actual life insurance, 
right? Even though I think it, it mimics a bad piece of life insurance, you don't have to prove your health in order to elect that. And you don't have to prove your spouse's health in order to elect it. But with a private plan, you as the federal employee need to be in good enough health to get the plan in order for it to be in place. So if you're in relatively good health, or even if it's just average health, you should be able to qualify. If you're in poor health and you wouldn't qualify for life insurance, then unfortunately, this may not be an option for you. And you have to choose between the survivor benefit plan or nothing. Reducing coverage. So as I mentioned, the survivor benefit plan, that choice is pretty much irreversible. You're not going to be able to reduce coverage, eliminate coverage, get rid of coverage um, beyond kind of a, a, an initial window. But as I said, an example, you can't go five years down the road and say, hey, let's reduce down. If I'm a first employee, I want to reduce from 50 to 25% or I want to eliminate it entirely. You cannot make that change uh, for any reason. It's, it's basically an irreversible choice. It's set in stone from the moment you made it when you retired. But if you had a private plan, you can make changes, alterations. This is a customizable plan. You can make changes along the way. You can reduce coverage. You can apply for more coverage. You can do almost anything you want. You can change your beneficiaries at any point, things like that, right? This is a flexible and customizable plan. Coverage limits. So with the survivor benefit plan, the amount is limited. The government basically says one person can live on half as much as two. So the most as a FERS employee that you can get is 50%. The most as a CSRS employee is 55% of your pension. Well, what if your spouse needs more than that? What if they want the full pension amount? What if they want something that is just a customizable number that the government is not offering? It's not available. You can set that up with a private plan. You can say, we need this amount of coverage. We need this amount per month if I, the federal employee, died first. You can set that up. Okay, that is not a problem. And then family needs. Um, we just talked about basically the coverage limits. It, it may not be fully covered. The family need may not be fully covered with the survivor benefit plan. You know, up to that 50% or 55% may not be covered with that plan. But with a private plan, we can customize the deal. And you can make changes, like I said, along the way. You can make modifications. You have choices. You have flexibility. You have options. Now, the caveat is, and the only negative, in my opinion, is you have to qualify health-wise, okay? But we can set up, there's so many different types of plans out there, some that are specifically designed to mimic the survivor benefit plan. So you can set up basically a private version of that and, and have a plan that builds equity. Let's say that you're a federal employee, and instead of going with the survivor benefits plan, you decide to set up your own private plan. And let's say that it mimics pretty much exactly what the government plan would do as far as payments to your spouse. Now, upon your death, okay, as a federal employee, I don't want to kill you off first, but let's say you died first. Your spouse can choose between a lump sum tax-free benefit or a tax-free monthly benefit for the rest of their life. They have the flexibility and the option to do that. Now, let's say the opposite happens. Let's say you choose the private plan, you get it all set up, and your spouse dies first. Well, Reminder, with the government plan, you can cancel it, regain your full pension, but you do not get back any of that money that you put into the plan. With a private plan, it can build equity over time. So that money is not just gone. That money that you put into the private plan could be building up cash within the policy, within the life insurance. And if your spouse dies first, you can do really one of two things. You can change your beneficiaries, which is not possible with the survivor benefit plan with the government. 
and keep the plan in place, change your beneficiaries. Now the money can go to somebody else or you can cancel the policy, surrender it and regain that equity. Get back some of the money that you put into it. Now, it may not be a full return on your investment, right? Return on all the money you put into it, but at least it's some money back, which you do not get with the government plan. So just the flexibility, the options, the customization, things that you can do that you cannot do with the survivor benefit plan. I review and I go back though, the big hook, the thing that still makes the government plan look attractive in the most cases that I talk to federal employees about is the health benefits. So I will reiterate, if you 100% need to make sure that your spouse collects or is able to keep the health insurance in retirement, if you were to die first, you need to at least elect a minimal survivor benefit. So thank you for joining us uh, for this episode when we're talking about survivor benefits and making sure that you choose the right option, avoiding mistake number seven that we have in our top 10 mistakes. If you're not familiar with all of the top 10 mistakes, go back and watch our previous episode where we outlined the top 10 mistakes that we see federal employees make. But this was, again, was about survivor benefits. Hope you found the information valuable. Visit us on our website and be sure to catch us on a future episode. <laughs>